Hello everyone, my name is Jonathan Hewitt and welcome to the Conservative Voice Show, your place for honest, controversial, and the hottest in political conversations. So what's up Patriots and welcome to 2021, Um, and if you thought that 2020 was full of ridiculous progressive policies and ideas, and one hopes that it did not continue into 2021. Well, I'm sorry to say it's not looking that way. But before we get started on all of that, guys, I just want to wish you all a happy New Year's. I haven't seen you guys since the 31st. Haven't spoken to you guys. I hope that your weekend was good. I hope that your New Year's was fun and festive, and that all of you that are are old enough to drink got a good and uh, had a good time on New Year's. And that the uh, first wasn't too bad for, for those of you that are aging a little bit. But anyway, huge, huge things planned for the show this year. I'm incredibly excited with more interviews coming up like we did with the founder of the New Era Republicans. If you haven't seen it, episode 40, go check it out. It was an awesome interview. Chase was a great guy. He had a plethora of knowledge and insight on what it's like to be a young conservative Inside the, the uh, like I guess you can say the pantheon of a uh, liberal schooling and like liberal colleges nowadays. So while we'll more of those coming up, I'm going to try very, very hard to get back on YouTube, start putting the uh, podcast not only on obviously Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of those, <clears throat> but to also put them back onto YouTube. I did it at the very beginning when I first started, and then just between that, editing, preparing it for a podcast and all the other uh, hosting services and then having to edit it for YouTube. It just became a little much, but I'm going to do my very, very best to start getting those back out to you guys. All right, guys. So on today, big show, seeing we haven't been on in like four days, the 117th session of Congress has been sworn in and somehow they continue to forget that words actually have meaning, believe it or not. Like who would have thought? Democrats speak out about Trump's conversations with the Georgia officials over the election results. And Senator Ted Cruz starts a rallying cry inside Congress. All of this, I'm going to tell you guys a lot, lot more. But before we get started with all that, as we all start the New Year's, all of us made like resolutions, right? And I'm sure there are some of you that have made the commitment to get back into the gym that maybe put on a little bit too much of that Christmas stuffing, if you get what I'm saying, and that we all want to go back and lose weight. Well, if you are anything like me, caffeine is a major part of my diet and is needed in significant amount daily. And this is where raise energy comes in, right? It is refreshing, healthy, and gives you just the kick you need to get started. Whether that's to start your day with, or your dragon, or off to the gym, raise energy has just what you need. They have zero calories, zero carbs, and zero sugars. So what does that really mean for you? That means you're going to have zero of the crash that's associated with typical energy drinks. You can find Raise Energy at your local GNC, Vitamin Shop, or you can shop online at repsports.com. Or again, start your New Year's right with the healthiest energy drink on the market, providing you all the boost and none of the crash. Get yours at your GNC or Vitamin Shop or online at repsports.com. Again, that's R-E-P-P. S-P-O-R-T-S dot com. Get yours. Raise energy at repsports.com. All right. So 
Remember the other day when I said that Trump was voted the most admired man in the world in 2020? Well, this election cycle isn't all the way over yet. And it looks like Trump may be on his way to a second run if he does not win this election, right? So in a report written by Fox News and Paul Steinhauser, there's more than three years to go until the next Iowa caucuses and New Hampshire presidential primaries. But what some consider the first cattle call in 2024, White House race, takes place next week. That's when the Republican National Committee holds its annual winter meeting, which will be held in person on Amelia Island in Florida, January 6th through the 8th. While re-electing Chair Ronald McDaniel and choosing Vice Chairs and other officials tops the agenda, the gathering of the 168 committee members and prominent GOP officials will also be an opportunity for some of the potential contenders for the next Republican presidential nomination to make friends and build bonds with the party's top activists, fundraisers, and rainmakers. Topping the list of possible White House hopefuls and confab will be the will be President Trump, who is scheduled to address the crowd on the second day of the gathering. So let's just take a break and say, like, if he does not win this election, if if it goes through and Biden is inaugurated, inaugurated, if I can actually talk, inaugurated on the 20th, could you imagine how much of a shitstorm it would be if he ran in 2024? Dear God. That, I hope that happens. And why is that? This is primarily due to, because of how much the majority of the GOP base like loves Trump. That is the reason why he has so much support and it will more than likely be a front runner in the 2024 election if that's what he chooses. President Trump has done something that in the last four years that I don't think any Republican has done in modern history. And that's he mobilized the GOP and he breathed a breath of fresh air and life into them. And whether you think it should be this way or it's not, he's become like, Somewhat you can say is a sensation in in America. If he wasn't already, like he was already a superstar before then, a multi-billionaire, millionaire, whatever you want to call him, before then. And now he's the president where he's used all of that fame and became sensational inside the presidency. And that's largely due to his outspoken and uncommon politics. Despite the fact despite the fact that right now he's losing the presidential election. And I've been saying this for months, for months now. Like, months. If there is no election fraud and we need to move on, well, where we need to start looking is the 2024 elections. And so it seems like maybe President Trump and the rest of the, the um, RNC and the GOP are starting to understand that, okay, maybe we didn't win this one, but it's time to start looking towards 2024 and Trump may be our best candidate to continue that sensation, like sensationality, I guess you could call it, of the base that he has gathered and mobilized behind him. Like I said, he got, got more votes than any other Republican president ever and more votes than any other incumbent president ever. So speaking of Trump and being a sensation, he has garnered himself some attention from the Iranian government over the weekend as well. And I may start by saying this. You're not seeing this the threats that we're about to go over to the American president anywhere in mainstream liber like liberal media sources, right? So according to the, Ira the Times of Israel, the Iran's judiciary chief warned Friday that Qassam Soleimani's killer, which is the general that we killed back in the uh, missile strike early January of last year, as the Islamic Republic began marking the first anniversary of the top general's assassination in a U.S. strike, Abram Rasi, speaking at an event in Tehran, 
to pay special tribute to Soleimani, said not even U.S. President Donald Trump, who ordered the strike, was, in quote, immune from justice. They will witness severe revenge. What he, what has come so far has only been glimpses of it, Rassi told the gathering at Tehran University. Do not presume that someone, as the President of America, who appeared as a murderer or ordered a murder, may be immune from justice being carried out. Never, he said, those who have this role in this assassination and crime will not be safe on Earth. On Earth. The event was attended by Iranian officials and speakers, including representatives from allied regional countries and forces, namely Syria, Iraq, Lebanon, and Yemen. A separate event is expected to be held in the coming days in Kerman, Salmani's hometown, where he is buried. Salmani headed the Kurds Force, Foreign Operations Army, the Islamic Revolutionary Guard. If you remember, he was a violent, violent terrorist like, who is primarily responsible for probably hundreds of thousands of deaths in the Middle East. And so, good riddance and good act by President Trump. But what I'm saying is, is that you're not seeing these threats being made overtly by the Iranian government anywhere on mainstream media. And what do I personally think? I do not think that Iran is stupid to actually do anything. But I do think this is indicative of a rising rhetoric coming out of the terrorist nation. Similar to like that that you see of like North Korea, where North Korea just continually threatens and threatens and threatens and threatens, but never really makes any action because they know that they live in nearly prehistoric times. And so if they did decide they wanted to attack America, then the allied forces would just drop a hammer on their entire country. I think that is very, very similar to what we're seeing out of Iran. But the rhetoric is continuing and it is ramping up. So according to CNN, Iran has notified the International Atomic Energy Agency that it has a that it is intending to enrich uranium to 20%. Right? And why is this a big deal? Well, because in 2015, we all remember that like deal that that freaking stupid, 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 absolutely ridiculous deal that the Obama and Biden administration made with Iran. Like, hey man, hey Tehran, we'll give you millions of dollars. Here you go. We'll give you millions of American taxpayers' money if you stop enriching uranium. But we're not going to do anything to ensure that that happens. And that is why right now, even that they're not supposed to be enriching above 3.67% imposed by that 2015 Pact of the World Powers, they now have stockpiles of up to 4.5% and now want to enrich to 20%, right? And so this development provides a challenge for U.S. President Joe Biden, who has pledged to reinstate the deal after he takes office on January 20th. President Trump walked away from that agreement, which he should have, in 2018 instead of instead restarting sanctions on Iran Iranian regime, which is true. You're not abiding by the compact where we gave you millions of dollars. Well, that's fine. I will just sanction you and win a war of attrition if you don't want to abide by the pact that you agreed upon. So along with that, right, it's not the only thing that Iran is doing that is ramping up the tensions between it, right? Iran has also seized the uh, South Korean flagged chemical tanker on Monday, according to semi-official Iranian news agencies, for, in quote, creating environmental and chemical pollution in the Persian Gulf. Yes, because let's be honest, because Iran is super concerned. The terrorist nation of Iran is, like, overtly concerned about the chemical pollution in the Persian Gulf. No, absolutely not. Both of these moves, like CNN said, comes days after the one-year anniversary of the U.S. killing of top Iranian general Qasem Soleimani, and less than three weeks before the end of Donald Trump's presidency. If you think that this has anything to do with the environmental pollution it is causing, well, then just 
Just go read Iranians' rhetoric for the last 10 years, right? They are a terrorist state that are seeing how far they can push, especially seeing that they know that there's going to be an incoming administration who is filled with cabinet members and Biden who have been routinely soft on Iran and foreign policy. And what this has done is this has caused the president to reverse the Pentagon's decision and keep an aircraft carrier in the region. And like CNN said before, it is definitely going to make things more difficult for Biden if he does become president because he's going to restart that deal, like I said. But I don't understand how he can say that he is keeping America safe and the allies safe from a terrorist state that isn't even abiding by the first compact. So here you go. We're going to reinstate that first Iran nuclear deal that you didn't abide by and then we gave you millions of dollars and I'll just give you more millions of dollars more than likely to have you come back to it and then you're not going to abide by it and continue to enrich uranium and try to pursue atomic weapons? Yes. Along with that, you now have Iran making overt acts against American allies, which will force Biden to choose whether he will stand strong for America and behind her allies or if he will go back to that weak and lackluster foreign policy of the Obama era. And that is going to be the hard decision that he's going to have to come up is because he's either going to follow in Trump's footsteps and continue that same kind of foreign policy that progressives and those on the left don't want. Or he's going to just let down American allies and just allow Iran to continue this terrorist and just overt rhetoric that is going to, to continue to increase into something that the world doesn't want. Let's be honest. All right, so we all know that yesterday the 117th session of Congress was sworn in. And just when we thought that there was a shred of a piece of ripped paper that had been burned chance that Congress would not take some progressive turns, well, we were like 100, 100% wrong. And we will get to that in one second. But first, let's start with what I think is the most important thing that should be on every single American's mind. And that is the Senate runoff races in Georgia. And now I'm sure everyone has heard about the conversation between the president and the Georgia officials. And honestly, I agree with the president says, as I've been saying for months, regardless of what you may want, if there's an allegation, state officials should be doing everything that they can to investigate those allegations. And if it is found that there's nothing there, no leads, no evidence or any inconsistencies, that's fine. Drop it, certify it, move on. But that is the issue, right? is that there is at least a shred of amounts of inconsistencies and potential evidence. And I think I can speak for all of us is that the only thing that we want is that fair investigation. Like me personally, I'm not asking for anybody to overturn the election results. What I'm asking for is that every single allegation of, or inconsistencies to be investigated and, the, and then be put to rest. Now, with all that being said, as normal, I do not agree with the president's timing. Like Donald Trump has probably the worst timing than like a child when you want to go to bed, right? Like we all know a baby's going to scream in the middle of the night when you're trying to sleep. That is what Donald Trump is like. When everything needs to be calm and kosher, he's out there raising hell, right? So, and this really crappy timing has now caused some potential issues for Leftland and Purdue in an already extremely close race. So according to 538, right? They've done some polls as of January 3rd, so yesterday. And they're not looking good for uh, the Senate Republicans. It has, the one poll has 
Ossoff leading 49.2 to Purdue's 47.4, right? With a 1.8% uh, lead. And then Warnock leading Leffler 49.5 to 47.2 and a 2.2 uh, point lead. And the two races have cons consistently been about that close since the first round of voting on November 3rd. So at this point, we don't really know. Need more polls to tell us what we already know. These races could go either way. In fact, between the polls, the fundraising numbers, the early voting data, and the November results, both parties can find reasons to be optimistic heading into election day tomorrow. So we thought we'd lay out the case for each side. High school debate style, which we won't go into. I'll link 538 below, right? But what is what is scary is, is that even though 538 says that it was close, before the turn of the year, Purdue and Leffler were both leading in the races. So all of that, that data coming out, right? Now coupled with the president's statements and comments inside that conversation with Georgia officials is very, very dangerous. Now, the polls are definitely within the margin of error, but like I said, the, the president speaking and then that conversation being leaked is not doing great things for them. It may even put more moderate Republicans that were on the fence and position to vote for Warnock or Ossoff if they believe that President Trump is trying to forcefully will the election in his way. And this is primarily due to the media always spinning the conversation into Trump, appearing as if he's threatening them or changing them or that Donald Trump is doing something that's absolutely cataclysmic. And we can see this when you go to like CNN, whose headlining news, right, is Donald, or I'm sorry, Trump's bid to steal Georgia exposes GOP election ruse. Astounding new evidence of a desperate President Donald Trump caught on tape trying to steal the election exposes the depth of his corruption and makes his Republican Capitol Hill allies complicit in his bid to thwart the will of the voters. In a fresh abuse of power, Trump tried to bully a top GOP official into finding votes to overturn President-elect Joe Biden's win in the state. The staggering phone call audio of which was obtained by CNN and first reported by the Washington Post amounted to the most serious threat yet posed by the authoritarian instincts to American democracy. Okay. Okay. Yes. Because a president talking to a governor, trying to urge them or convince them or sway them into doing an investigation and finding out where all the votes went and why votes showed up magically and to the claims that they are removing internal machines of Dominion voting machines, I'm sorry, the internal mechanisms, mechanisms of Dominion voting machines and the inconsistencies in voting data, 100% telling, telling the governor and the secretary of state that they should open investigation investigation to squash that is absolutely tyrannical. God forbid should we actually have justice and truth. God forbid should we actually find out what is actually going on and, if they're, and get to the bottom of it. Like, wow, CNN, you are absolutely incredible. And your objective journalism, Stephen Collinson, is absolutely garbage. Like, absolutely garbage. You're a garbage, garbage, garbage journalist that does not accur accurately report the news. And that right there is the primary reason why everything that Trump does is spun differently. Because the media will, every single time, find a reason to try to use what Trump says as a reason as he's trying to Keep a grab on power. I do not believe that Trump is trying to steal the election. I think one of two things are afoot. 
First, there's substantial voter fraud, and the Democrats have spun a web in order to turn the election in Biden's favor, which there is some circumstantial evidence that may suggest that. Nothing's proven. Or second, similar to when Rudy Giuliani was giving Trump bad information about Ukraine and Russia earlier, like in 2016 and throughout Trump's Trump's presidency, Trump is once again being filled with incorrect information that is fueling his actions. Well, I guess to be fair, there is a third option, which I definitely do not agree with, and I do not think that this is the case, but it is that Trump is trying to overthrow the American people and hold on to power in some sort of like dictatorship manner. That last one, I do not see. I do not think. One, I don't think, one, that Trump has the enough foresight and political aptitude to see this kind of tyranny. And second, Trump has done so much in his presidency that strengthened federalism and defense of states and tried to give the power back to the American people that I do not foresee that being the case. Nonetheless, regardless of the reason, this has not stopped the Democrats from using this against Purdue and Loeffler in the runoffs. So in In a report from Fox News, written by Ron Blitzer, Democrats are putting the pressure on Republican Georgia Senator Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue in the final days before the runoff election, following the release of a taped phone call in which President Trump urged Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger to help him find enough votes to flip the state's results in November's presidential election. At one point during the conversation, which was obtained by the Washington Post, Trump could be heard saying, all I want to do is this. I want to find 11,780 votes, which is one more than we have because we won this state. That is a direct attack on our democracy, and if David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler had one piece of steel in their spines, one shred of integrity, they would be out here defending Georgia voters from this kind of assault, Perdue opponent John Ossoff said at a campaign event Sunday evening. At the same time, I'm sorry, at the same event, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris said Trump's call sounded like, in quote, the voice of desperation and called it an abuse of power. Okay, why is everything that Trump does for timeout, timeout, we're calling a timeout, why is every single thing that Trump does an abuse of power? Okay, he's allowed to talk to state officials, he's the president, and he's allowed to urge them to do one thing or another. I think a lot of people forget that politics is all about persuasion. Literally, the people that we elect, we elect them to go there and represent us and persuade the rest of the people in Congress and government to vote for the things that we need them to vote for. So how is trying to persuade the governor or the secretary of state or any of their election officials, right? Trying to persuade them just to open an investigation somehow an abuse of power. An abuse of power would say, would be Governor Kemp, you're going to open an investigation or I will no longer provide federal funding to Georgia for the remainder of my presidency. That would be an abuse of power. But urging him, when they're all part of the, one, the governors are part of the executive branch of the state, and the president oversees not only the entire government, but oversees the executive branch of the government. So I'm having a conversation with other members of the executive branches of government, and then trying to persuade them into opening an investigation is not an abuse of power. Kamala Harris, you and the rest of your Democrats tried to use the, uh, what was it, abuse of power and obstruction of Congress wants to, to try to impeach him, right? And then did not pass the Senate. So keep trying, Kamala Harris, on your abuse of power. Abuse of power has just become like a a slogan, like like a call to action for Democrats to use to try to force the American people to think that Donald Trump is doing something that no other president has ever done in the history of America. Anyway, Loeffler's opponent, the radical and ridiculous Raphael Warnock, challenged Loeffler on Twitter 
to come out against the president, whom she has staunchly supported throughout the campaign season. Georgia elected at Joe Biden and at Kamala Harris. That's a fact, tweeted Warnock. And Kelly Loeffler's responsibility to speak out against these unsubstantiated claims of fraud and defend Georgia's elections and to put Georgia ahead of herself. But she hasn't, and she never will. Okay, well, Raphael Warnock, you are, a, you are also a communist lover dictator that has absolutely no right running for government anyway. So, yes, please tell me how she's putting herself in front of Georgians for just following the claims of the Georgians who have made claims that there was voter fraud. It's absolutely ridiculous. So, with all this being said, tomorrow is the day. And here's my predictions, guys. And I'll tell you, it's not the best. And I'm saddened by it, right? I do think that Loeffler will beat the radical war. I do. I don't think that Georgians are ready to, like, invite a radical communist inviting and dictator-loving Warnock into office. I just do not foresee Georgians doing that. I am saddened that I do believe that Ossoff has a very, very good chance to outperform David Perdue. I very, very much think that. And those are that is my prediction going into tomorrow's election. All right. So here we are, patriots. On to the 117th session of Congress. And man, it is only on the second day. And we are already seeing some ridiculous things coming from them. First thing, unfortunately, Pelosi has kept her speakership. Even though it was by a slim margin, they were not able to unseat her. And well, we have another at least two years of dealing with, uh, yeah, Nancy Pelosi which we're all incredibly fond of. So we'll see how that goes. But with a new session of Congress means that some new rules packages had, have been introduced. And boy, has the woke culture taken its hold on them. So there are two rules in this package that I think are incredibly dangerous, like 100% dangerous. The first and probably worst of all of them is that the Democrats are now moving to completely silence the minority in the House by taking away one of its key legislative tools, it has to amend bills and kill bills that do, that do not align with their constituents' needs, right? So what has happened is, is the House Rules Package for the 100... I'm sorry, this is according to RollCall.com. The House Package for the 117th Congress released Friday would weaken a procedural tool of the minority, provide key exemptions to a budget rule requiring the cost of legislatures, and it's also going to um, remove some wording that you're not allowed to say in the House. Right? One of the main requests from Democrats across the caucus was that leadership either eliminate or defend the motion to recommit, or MTR, which is a vote afforded to the minority on most bills. The motion to recommit has been used in the past as a procedural vote to kill legislation by sending it back to committee. But in recent years, it has become a substan substantive vote that would actually amend the bill if adopted. In either scenario, it is mostly used as a political messaging vote in which the minority tries to trap the majority into going on record on controversial policies. The new rules would prevent MTRs from being used to alter bills on the floor. Instead, the minority would only be able to use the motion to send the bill back to the committee. The change makes it easier for Democrats concerned about opposing whatever policy Republicans use the MTR to highlight to vote against the motion as a purely procedural maneuver. And so this is absolutely absurd. And if there is a single shred of decency left in the, like, Democrat House, right? This should not pass. This 100% goes to further silence the majority, I'm sorry, silence the minority in the House, which 
Honestly, it's exactly the left wants. They've been trying to silence and cancel conservatives and Republicans for the last several years. This is just one more attempt for them to be able to solidify their power and a move to where Republicans cannot oppose anything that they, that they propose. If the Democrats want it to pass, it'll pass. And if they want it to fail, it'll, it'll fail under this new rule, right? Because that would not allow the Republicans to have a single voice on the floor. Right? So they would not be able to change anything in debate on the floor or anything. So the way the Democrats want it is the way that it's going to be passed. And this is probably the most dangerous thing that has been proposed by Democrats in like recent history. And I know I say that a lot. It seems like almost weekly I'm saying that. And, and it's because just when I think I cannot get any worse, they surprise me. I guess I just need to learn, right? So remember when everyone was saying that under a Biden administration that the Democrats would like throttle back because they would be happy they have a Democrat president? Well, no. They are going full steam ahead and are going to use the next four years to try and hijack the American government system in order to try and permanently seize power. Now, do not get me wrong. Like, don't, get, don't take it the wrong way. If Republicans had proposed the exact same rule, I would be saying the exact same thing. This undermines the reason for government. And it is a start towards a single party rule where those who disagree with them do not get a voice and do not get representation. Right? Like we literally had a war about that. Like there literally was a revolutionary war that said, Hey, we deserve as American people to have representation. And if you take the Republican and the minority's ability to debate and alter things on the floor of the house, then you are taking away that representation. So another rule that has been proposed, and it's just as ridiculous and absolutely hilarious in my opinion, gendered terms like mother, father, brother, he, see, he, she, gentleman, lady, none of these will be allowed on the floor of Congress. Like, I don't know what they're going to say. Like, baby mama, baby daddy, when you're talking about parents, it's absolutely ridiculous. Words have meaning. Whether you like the meaning or not, you cannot change the meaning or make it mean something, something that it does not. People have genders, and they are not malleable to whatever you want. If a woman has a child, you are a mother, not a father. That is not possible. If you are a father with a penis and you impregnate a woman, you are now the father. If you are biologically a boy, then you are a man, and vice versa for women. Nothing I just said should be controversial, especially not in the place where laws are legislated. I can say that I am Superman. That does not mean that I can fly and that I'm bulletproof and that you should call me Superman and make all the laws around the idea that I am Superman. That's just not how it works. How you feel does not determine your biological sex or your gender. Point blank, period. End of discussion. But this is the same progressive and woke mindset that we've been seeing sweeping and gripping across our nation, coming from the likes of like Squad, AOCs, and other progressives. So what does this sound like when actually used on the House floor? Well, here's Representative Emanuel Cleaver not understanding that words actually have meaning. Here it is. Names by many different faiths. The monotheistic God, Brahma, and God known by many names by many different faiths. A man and a woman. The representatives... <laughs> like what in the world? Like... Amen is not referring to a biological man. Once again, the left refuses to recognize that <laughs> that words actually have meaning. 
Like I can't stop laughing. Like it acts. <laughs> let's run that one back. Here it is. One more. Here it is. One more time and listen to it because remember, guys, it's a man and a woman. Here it is. Names by many different faiths. The monotheistic God, Brahma, and God known by many names by many different faiths. A man and a woman. <laughs> allow that representative representative to get up there and say some absurd things. Every single mem member of his caucus and his staff that reviewed that needs to go find themselves a dictionary. Amen. Literally means so be it in Latin. Not talking about a man's biology. But coupling that with the fact that they are trying to take the minority's voice away in the house is scary. And it should scare the shit out of every single American. Like I said before, a revolutionary war was already fought over representation. The people's representation in government is the hallmark of the American democracy. One that the left is systematically trying to take from those that disagree with them. All right. So along with the 117th Congress, last but not least, the reputable and like outspoken Senator Ted Cruz is now going to lead, be leading a group of senators who are set to oppose the Wednesday's Electoral College confirmation. Why is this important? Well, Cruz and 12 other senators are joining the almost 141 members of Congress that are set to oppose the certification of the election results. So what does this mean? This means that if they do that, the House will split in debate and they'll lead the joint session of Congress. Well, let's rewind. I've explained this once on the show. I'll explain it again. So to certify the election results, they will have a joint session of Congress where the House and the Senate are together and the Vice President uh, will go up and he will start reading the electoral votes. And then if all it takes is one senator and one congressman to object to a state's results, what will then happen is, is that joint session of Congress will split into their respective chambers. They will then have no more than two hours to debate the topic on whether the vote should be certified or not certified. They will cast in a secret vote. The vote will be tallied and then they will come back to that joint session and say either yes, they the House is voting or no, it's voting to not certify the election, right? If it takes both houses to vote yes to not certify the election, if that is voted, then every single one of that state's electoral votes is casted out. And then if enough of those votes get casted out, and no one reaches a 270 majority, which the Constitution says has to happen, then the election will be cast into the House, and the House will decide whether or not the... Well, the House will decide who the president will be. And how that is done is one single vote per state. There's 50 states. Currently, as it sits, there's 33 states that vote primarily Republican and 27 states that vote primarily Democrat. So... I think we can uh, see why the, the Democrats are a little concerned about it. But I think that the number of representatives and the number of senators is highly indicative of a movement in motion of the American people. Like, that is their constituents that I'm assuming, like, I'm assuming those 140 or so, like, representatives have spoken to their constituents and their constituents want them to do that or have called them to do that. The senators, those 12 senators and Ted Cruz, have deemed it to be of a national interest that they need to object those election results in certain states. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens on Wednesday and what the outcome is. And if I were Democrats, I'd be worried too. And this is why Republicans across the board, GOP members, GOP voters, 
It doesn't matter. Like this, this backlash doesn't just stop at like politicians. If you are an outspoken Republican or open Republican on social media, you can guarantee that you're receiving some form of backlash. And it's because the Democrats are scared. And the thought that these senators and representatives that are representing the will of the constituency, something the Democrats have historically sucked at, maybe the reason the election is overturned absolutely scares them because anything that is done, like the procedure of the Constitution and the way that the American government works is just an a obstacle to Democrats that stand in their way. They don't actually like any single bit of the Constitution because it slows them down and stops them from being able to exercise complete and total power over the American people. All right, guys. So that is it for today. I am so happy to be back. Happy New Year's to you all. I hope your New Year's resolutions are going good. Like I said at the beginning, guys, if you're looking for that energy drink, check out repsports.com. Go to your local GNC, your local vitamin shop, whatever you got. Pick you up some of them. And as always, guys, stick around for tomorrow. Make sure you turn in, tune in Wednesday to both my social media and to the podcast. We're going to be having a full coverage of the certification of the electoral vote and where it's all going with that. So stay tuned, guys. And as always, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And make sure that you subscribe, like, follow. May God bless you and God bless your family. And I'll see you tomorrow.